1: Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am uh, delighted to have Dr. Peter Kapsner with me because it is time for the Sunburnt series, and we only have a couple of them left in the summer because we're running out of summer. But Peter, we're going to have a great discussion today with Stephen Mansfield. We're going to bring him on in just a minute.
2: Yeah, we are. We're going to talk a little bit about the the state of the male in today's world. But I have to say, Bill, I. You know, being on your show all of these different years, um, that music, I think I'm going to take that music to the grave. Like every time that theme song comes up, I just i just am excited for the conversation, genuinely. So I don't know who chose that music, but but I love the opening. I,
1: I chose it, and I, I feel the same way, Peter. Indeed. Now, uh, Stephen Mansfield, our guest, hes he's concerned about the current state of manhood. Now, I don't think this is an intervention today for you and me me (laughs) uh, it might be subtle but i bet but i bet it's at least part of it right it could be part of it which makes me terribly nervous (laughs) but uh, he wants to kind of reverse the the downward trend of of you know modern masculinity has taken a hit let's just be honest it has and he's written a a number of uh, great books on the subject and has appeared on tv and all over at conferences around the world because he wants to train men in the art of noble manhood how awesome is that
2: Boy, it's something that I think is really, really needed. I mean, we're what, maybe the third generation into sort of the the breakdown of the nuclear family. We're typically speaking, if the family is going to break down, it does tend to mean that the man is not going to be in the household, which also then means that training up young boys and even young women for what to expect uh, uh, for men has really taken a, a huge hit these last uh, two or three generations. So it, I, I think he's really tapping a vein right now in terms of what's, what's happening in people's experience
1: in the world. Well, Peter, let's get out our man cards and put them on the table. It's time to uh, get serious. Uh, Stephen Mansfield has written a number of books, uh, the book of Manly Men. He's also written a book called Men on Fire, uh, Restoring the Forces that Forge Noble Manhood. He also has written an amazing book on the Guinness family, uh, The Search for God and Guinness. Which is a biography of the beer that changed the world. So he's been on the show a number of times. Stephen Mansfield is always uh, got a lot to say, and I'm glad to have him uh, with us for the full hour today. Stephen, welcome.
3: Thank you so much. It's great to be with you.
1: Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that uh, because we've, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a couple of men that uh, want to do the very best job we can in this life, we want to be making sure that we're representing Christ well. In our our families and in our, our you know our our communities and even on the radio today. So um, we're glad to have you as our resource. And uh, Peter and I are going to probably ask you a whole lot of questions. But uh, do you have an opening statement, Stephen Mansfield?
3: Well, my first opening statement is that I love the Fleetwood Mac music at the top of your show. Mm-hmm. So there, there that, you go. Yeah, I'm waiting it on that. But I appreciate you being willing to talk about men. You know, this is not just because I walk down the street and I see men that aren't, you know, incredibly masculine looking or dressing or what have you. It's not just my personal estimation. Um, By almost every standard, men and boys in particular are really in decline in this generation. And, you know, there are some books out there that criticize men's movements for being Too centered around figures like John Wayne and that kind of masculinity, and so on. And they've got some, they've got some, some wisdom. They've got some insight for us. But for the most part, there's a really powerful men's movement happening uh, that's about men forming bands of brothers. That's about bringing the boys in and helping them and nurturing them, and especially boys without fathers in the home. And there's something exciting happening out there to turn this downward uh, spiral of manhood today. So I'm excited to talk to you about it.
1: Yeah, I am too. Our guest is Stephen Mansfield. You can learn more about him at stephenmansfield.tv. That's stephen s t e p h e n mansfield.tv. Stephenmansfield.tv is our guest. So, uh all right, Stephen, let me start with this. I have had a, a kind of a rough day and I'll admit that, you know, maybe I, the world has uh, uh been a little hard on me today and I'm trying to say to myself, well, how do I show this vulnerability as a man, and yet, and then when do I just shore up and play tough guy?
3: Well, there's nothing inherently masculine about just swallowing your emotions, never expressing them, never being transparent, and just letting uh, pain, difficulty, and disappointment eat your soul out. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a generation, a previous generation's bad counsel to us. Real men never cry. Real men never express their feelings. Real men never share uh, deep emotions with each other. That, that's, that's actually not true. Uh, what, we, what we have to learn to do is to feel what we feel and then have uh, express those things in the right context. We don't get violent. We don't get crazy. We don't cuss people out. We don't do stupid things. Um, the ideal for a man is that he's got a band of brothers uh, with, to whom he can turn when things go sour, when he's disillusioned, when he's in pain, when he's humiliated, whatever, um, and 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 get the get the loving coaching and, and the confrontation that he needs to be a better man, and and again, it's not as though he can't go home uh, until he's processed all those with somebody else, uh, mm-hmm. but but he, he doesn't he doesn't treat his wife and children um, as the, the the primary backstop for his life. They're not made for that. That's not what a marriage is. That's not what fathering is. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we all have tough days. We all have difficult times. We all have pains. We all have days when we uh, we feel like failures. Uh, yeah. Knowing how to process that and with whom is part of the key of noble masculinity.
1: Yeah, our guest is Stephen Mansfield. Peter, I know you got a question for him.
3: Yeah,
2: Stephen, when uh, talking about men and how they process emotions. Um, I'm just thinking, I, I know there was a season of time in which women, and I think understandably so, felt like they had to become far more, I suppose, quote unquote, male in how they approach the world in order to have a voice, in order to have a role in the world. Um, it, it seems like that has really shifted now. Men seem to need to somehow become more in touch with their emotions or act maybe more traditionally feminine in order to have a role or a voice as part of this. And are, are we missing something in this in terms of just figuring out what makes us male and what makes us female and really honoring that instead of just constantly pulling each other towards the other version
3: yeah there's there's no question that whenever you have uh either men or women not being fully who they are uh they create a vacuum and the opposite gender uh then gets sucked into that vacuum um i've spent a lot of time with single moms uh for a variety of reasons i I don't i can go into it if you want me to uh, but, but I've spent a lot of time with single moms. Thank God they, in a sense, manned up. <laughs> thank mm. God they stepped mm. up, moms, grandmothers. Um, I, I'm very, very close to the African-American community uh, living in D.C., and I, I know you're not supposed to say this, but the vast majority of my friends are African-American, and we're very aware of the trends in the in African-American community, and you're aware of the fatherlessness that's, that's, that's plaguing that community. Well, thank God. Noble moms, noble grandmoms, stood up, and did they become a bit more masculine? Did they did they wear the pants in the family? Yes, because there was a vacuum, because they were they, they somebody needed to step up and fill that vacuum. So you're absolutely right. When either one fails, male or female, the other has to kind of move in. Unfortunate, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, it's been the men failing their roles and the women having to step up, and that's what's cra- caused the imbalance. And then, of course, the criticism and the allegations of toxic masculinity in our generation.
1: Mm -hmm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. You can go to stephenmansfield.tv to learn more about him. Stephen, there's certainly a a lot of uh, showcasing of men in the media, and you see the bumbling, kind of disconnected dad in, in in the sitcoms, and then you just see the kind of the ineptitude that is all over how men are portrayed. I mean, how about enough of that?
3: Yeah, I tell you what, that's one of the reasons I've written the books that I have. Uh, you watch a TV commercial, and what do you see? Typical middle-aged guy, bumbling idiot, can't find the remote. When he finally finds the remote in the couch, he's doing a happy dance. His wife and kids are rolling their eyes, you know, just an idiot. Or the other image of the hapless male, uh, you know, sitting in the bar at the pole, shoving $20 into a uh, some girls' underwear. I mean, these are the mm-hmm. two images of manhood that prevail. And so, and of course, they're not true of most men, but that's the popular image because men have abandoned their roles and they have given themselves to their lesser drives. Um, and as a result, they've they've created a, this thing called toxic masculinity, which is, which is a valid description of the negative side of, of manhood. So yeah, I'm fed up with those images, but at the same time, I understand why whoever, Madison Avenue or Hollywood, are portraying those images because they do prevail in our
1: society. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Mansfield is our guest. Stephen, do you, do you think that men are 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 simply cowering a little bit because they feel beat up?
3: They do feel beat up. Uh, you know, I I talk about the guerrilla theory of manhood, uh, and that is it's what prevails in our in our. Um, Universities. It's what prevails in our popular culture that we needed men to tame the frontier. We needed men to build the cities and raise the front, raise the steel and, uh, you know, lay the railroad tracks and all of that kind of thing. Um, but then when we moved into an information society, uh, men didn't have the aptitude for it. Women did, mm-hmm. men did. Men didn't. So now men are like, you know, gorillas sitting in a cage somewhere, eating a banana, scratching themselves, uh, <laughs> not knowing who they are, or where they where they should be. Uh, incompetence, um, and women are rising. And statistically, that seems to be true. Of course, it's not true that men don't have the aptitude for this present society, but the statistics about the decline of men, and certainly the decline of boys, almost makes you believe that men just don't have the ability for our information in society. Of course, it's not true. And what's really going on is that we needed a redefinition of manhood for our information age, but it, a manhood is every bit as valid as ever. Men just have not been fathered. They have not been mentored. They have not been sold on the lore of noble manhood. That again, this this men, men's movement is, is out there is trying to restore.
0: Hmm.
1: We're talking to Stephen Mansfield. His uh, one of his books that we're going to chat about today is called "Men on Fire: Restoring the Forces That Forge Noble Manhood." If you have a question or comment you'd like to get involved text it over to 877-933-2484. Dr. Peter Capster and I are always happy in our Sunburnt series because we 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 look at anything and everything and today we're talking about uh, men and uh, recapturing the forces that forge noble manhood with our guest Stephen Mansfield. We'll take a short break and be right back. <laughs>
0: We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com.
1: Welcome to the show. If you just joined us, I hope you've had a great day. I've been thinking about you all day because I love the time we get to spend together. This is the time of the week where we're doing our sunburnt series. We do this in the summertime. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I uh, will have a variety of guests talking about a variety of subjects, and we have a blast doing it. Our guest is Stephen Mansfield, and his... Uh, one of his passions is is encouraging men, uh, restoring the forces that forge noble manhood. He's written a book called Men on Fire, and he uh, talks about the uh, seven fires that ought to burn in a man's soul, the fires of destiny, heritage, friendship, love, battle, legacy, and God. I know we'll get a chance to cover some of those, Stephen, but uh, give me the overall view of, of these uh, these seven fires.
3: Well, I I wrote this book because I had been involved in the men's movement that's out there for quite a while, Um, and I was grateful for it, and I I saw men trying to recover from the damage of society and the damage of their own heritage, and I saw them being good, but I also caught a a bit in the men's movement of a kind of a don't-touch-that kind of approach to manhood, you know. Uh, and I don't think you can shame a man to greatness, so I began to pay attention to what's missing in the souls of men. When I talk to men, when I watch them and observe them, what, what's missing? What, 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 what's, what's not allowing that fire in the belly to burn and the passion for, for being men? And so I started taking notes years ago and uh, came up with these seven fires. I mean, it's, it's just my way of styling the book to call them fires. But, the, but forces that ought to burn in the souls of men, forces that inspire men, forces that impart passion to them, and so that's why I, uh, again, structured the book in, in terms of these seven fires. And it really seems to have caught on. Men, men like hooks. They like mnemonics; They like uh, lists that they can memorize. And so this really has worked for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. And uh, Stephen, when I look at this list, and I, uh, I tell you one that jumps right off the page for me is friendship. Because it seems to me that this is an area where men have a particular, a particular struggle uh, having a intimate friendships where they are sharing feelings with each other and not just uh, going to the game together or going fishing, but actually actually having real conversations with each other.
3: Well, you're absolutely right. The the literature out there and the journalism talks a lot about the lonely American male. Um, The surveys show that the average American male can't name a best friend. He doesn't know who he would call if he was on a business trip out of town, and let's say his son got picked up for speeding and was in jail. Who would he call to handle that with grace and character? Beyond that, who would he call if something went wrong at his house at uh, four in the morning? Uh, he, again, he's out of town on a business trip, and his wife is flitting around the house in her nightgown trying to handle whatever the situation is. You know, the dog's run off or the pipe is broken or whatever. Um uh, who would he trust to go over to his house at four in the morning and and, and help his, his beleaguered wife? The average man doesn't have an answer for that question. Uh in in fact it's 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 getting really bad because as you know the male suicide rate is really rising and when we do the psychological postmortems on these suicides very often, a majority of times, we find men writing suicide notes or saying to people just before they kill themselves, there's not a man who knows about me or cares about me. I don't have a male friend anywhere. So It is. In fact, in England, if you are uh, 50 or older um, and, and, you, and you die – I mean I know I'm styling this oddly – but if you if you die in England 50 years or older and you're a male and you have not died of a heart condition – you have you have probably died statistically of suicide, and again the vast majority of those suicides are because a man doesn't have any male friends or any male connections, and and again suicide notes and final comments confirm this. So. Uh, men have lost the art of building friendships, and that's one of the things we do in the in, the, in the seminars and speaking that we do. We help men learn how to build male friendships because, again, this is not passed down in the lore. This is not something that's being passed from father to son these days, and men are suffering for it.
2: And Stephen I- – It's such a – Yeah, it it is. is, I mean, I think he, right, Bill, he's speaking to the experience that I think both you and I know the drill and and a lot of our friends know that drill too. I think what doesn't get talked about a lot is how there's this value of rugged individualism that, that, that a man should go be able to sort things out for himself if he's really going to be a man, number one. And then number two, our society is set up to be pretty competitive with one another. So you have this sort of lethal combination of go figure it out yourself if you're going to be a real man. And then you also need to compete against the other men that otherwise could be your friends, and, and it really—it's been a pretty long-term thing going on.
3: Yeah, and both of those, of course, are imbalanced. I love competition. Uh, my dearest friends, we whoop each other on the racquetball court. <laughs> we whoop each other in basketball. I, I'll compete with them. You know, even even NFL games, what have you. You know, we're going at each other. But that's a healthy kind of competition. That's fun right. competition. To be so competitive that you can't admit a weakness. To be so competitive. Uh, that 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 you can't bring a problem to men um, to you to your friends uh that that's just that's just gone strange and i i try to t- I try to teach men that a, that a man who walks alone a man who is self defined is defined by a fool um, hmm. you, we are not meant to walk alone and I, the way I like to say this is you know especially in kind of Christian world uh, which i'm very much part of um it, the, the, a common, a, a common uh, sort of meeting is an accountability group, and like once a month, the guy drives across town and he goes to the breakfast spot where he meets with some buddies and he tells them what's wrong with them so that they can pray for him and they can, uh, uh, you know, help him out. Well, I got to tell you that I, I need something better than that. If you're waiting for me to figure out what's wrong with me and then hold on to it for three weeks and drive over to a breakfast spot and tell you about it, I'm probably going to be dead. I mean, I, I'm just, I, I just. Uh, men, men will lie, men will dodge, I need men, I need men walking closely enough with me. To see what's going on in my life without me narrating it. Uh, I, I need men who see that I've gained 20 pounds or see me checking out the backside of the waitress or, or, or see me going from one glass of wine to five in a night or whatever it might be. I'm making all that up, of course, but my point is my really, really my only addiction is Oreos, but we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Um, but my, my point is that, that I need men in my life. You know, not long ago, I was shown a picture um, from a party I had attended. And um, it was a picture. I, I when I saw it, I turned to the guy who handed it to me and said, "Who is that?" He said, "It's you, fool." And hmm. I was—I had t T-shirt on. I was sunken in a couch. I looked like Job of the Hut on a bad day. My, <laughs> eyes were, my eyes were half closed. I mean, I wasn't drinking, but there, you know, there, there, my, I just looked like I was—I was pudgy. And the picture was overexposed. I had about three Oreos in my mouth. I mean, it was just a bad picture. <laughs> and I realized if I can look like that physically without knowing that that's even possible. What's going on on the inside of me that I can't see what's going on uh, about my life that I can't see. You know, they, they tell us we don't even see ourselves accurately in a mirror uh, much less when we try to examine our own souls. So I don't mind saying I need a band of brothers. I need men around me who can help me and who can coach me. And and I do the same for them. And I got to tell you, my life has been changed by that experience. And that's why I emphasize this so much.
1: Yeah, and the guy who just described himself as "job of the hut with three Oreos in his mouth" is Stephen Mansfield. You can learn more about him at Stephen Mansfield uh, But Stephen, I think that you know the band of brothers thing because we all have blind spots, and if we're not inviting men that we trust that love us to look into our lives and, and look at our blind spots, we're doing ourselves a big injustice.
3: There's, there's just no question about it. Uh, you know, I teach men that what you want to shoot for is what I call a, a free fire zone. Now, if you've been in the military, any of your listeners, they know a free fire zone usually has to do with the battlefield condition of how freely you can fire your weapon. But I use it in a slightly different way. If, if the three of us, Peter Bill and Stephen, are going to form a band of brothers, uh, I want a free fire zone in which anything that needs to be said to make us better and keep us from harm will be said. We we will speak freely. We will coach each other. We will help each other. There's no wringing of hands. Gosh, I hope somebody talks to him. You know, there, there's no hesitating. Uh there, there, If we're Southern, we're not being all gracious. Why, well, I would never hurt his feelings. <laughs> or if we're from the West, you know, we're not all going to be the Marlborough man, you know, who's too rugged to say anything. Or we're not going to be cold-hearted Yankees from the North. We're going to be in each other's life. We're going to keep eyes on each other. We're going to coach each other and warn each other and help each other, and uh, and do the things that, that that we need to do for all of us to be healthy men. So uh, I go around saying, "Man, do you, who do you have a free fire zone with? You have well, a free like fire that. zone with any man, anything like that." And and that's, that's that's what we need. That's really what a band of brothers is at its essence. Yeah, it can be fun. Yeah, it can be football. Yeah, it can be food and trips and whatever. But at the heart of it is a commitment. We're going to walk together. We're going to keep eyes on each other. We're going to coach each other and help each other and confront each other and point things out to each other that help us be the best men we can be.
1: Mm-hmm. Stephen Manfield is our guest. Uh, Stephen, when you say that, I, I think this is a very powerful statement and I believe it, but do men go to church and go, can I share this with my small group? Or are they going to start looking at me funny? Like, uh, I just got too vulnerable or I said something that's going to make people go, Ooh, that's kind of creepy.
3: Yeah, I mean, to be really blunt, you, you can't just take your Bible study, your Sunday school class, your small group, and just dump your stuff there. You have to you have to make sure that you've prepared people. Uh, I, I mean, it, it'd be like showing up at a party and then suddenly just, uh, you know, I don't mean to be crass here, but dropping your pants. It'd be like suddenly yeah. showing up at a party and suddenly saying, I know we're here to relax and have a good time, but... But I, I'm having an affair. Yeah. Boom! Let, you know, that, that's that's not the yeah. appropriate place. What I what I need is Let, Hey, Stephen. are already we, committed to that. We, yes.
1: Stephen. We have to go to break, but we'll come back. We'll talk sure. about that. Stephen Mansfield is our guest, and we're talking about men today. So we'll take a short break and be right back.
3: It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, yeah. what's for dinner? Yeah. It's the Afternoon Show
1: with Bill Arnold. Welcome to the show. If you just joined us, uh, we've got Stephen Mansfield as our guest. We're going to um, talk to him about men. And the nice thing about the long break we just had is... Peter, I was able to do some uh, calculating, and since we started this interview, my, my manhood is up 17.2%. <laughs> I actually saw that same stat related to you
2: on Twitter, so I think you're right. Well, I, think already, I think it's verified. It's, you are trending. It's already trending. If yeah, yes. you just go to hashtag manhood Bill Arnold, it's, it's all over the place right now.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. For so, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stephen Mansfield has written a number of books. He has a passion for helping men become better men. And and I had a nice uh, question that just came in from a listener. Can you speak to the new movement in young men where they believe marriage and children are all drain and no benefit and they therefore commit to singleness?
3: Well, that's, that's a pretty popular trend these days. And I spent some time with these young men and there, there, there's a, a combination of factors. Part of it is that our society sees the devastation that happens to men because of divorce. Of course it happens to women too. Um, and also in a, in a in a society that has the morals our present society has uh men can get many of the benefits they want from women without having to commit without having to make a covenant without having to be uh, invested so to speak if you can get in sex and you can have them live in and you can have her cooking for you and you can have her sharing the bills and Everything else well then why why should I why should I take on more burden? Why should I get legally entangled, especially if we're not thinking of marriages anything that, that is that is mandated by God so yes, there is quite a movement out there, part of it like I say is the bitterness of men who have been through the devastations of the courts and divorce, and part of it is young men uh who are getting all the benefits of uh of the, the females in their lives without having to to covenant obviously uh, I believe they're living. Uh, in the unbearable lightness of being, as existentialists say. I think they're living um, something light and transitory and and largely physical and not realizing the great beauty that comes from a deep relationship with a woman and that only happens in in the process of marriage. But, yeah, a a secular society throughout history, whenever you move away from Judeo-Christian moorings uh, throughout history, you find this uh, trend. You find young men... Uh, either turning to each other for sexual fulfillment or young men uh, uh, using women at kind of a light level. And I think it leaves them empty and devastated and uh, and, and largely damaged in the long run.
1: Mm-hmm. Stephen Manfield is our guest. His book is called Men on Fire, Restoring the Forces that Forge Noble Manhood. Stephen, I would guess that there's an, a major problem that men have with their identity, uh, especially in today's world where they're uh, trying to make uh, a, something out of their career and they're trying to uh, be popular. And I, I think the burden on, on people today to have a presence on social media or to uh, you know, just try to be uh, relevant is causing men to have a lot of anxiety and depression.
3: Well, there's no question. Because, and a lot of that is because what role are they meant to play? Think about exactly. it. Exactly. If, if, if a man isn't raised uh, in a home with, a, with another man there, who loves him and calls him out and challenges him and and summons destiny uh, then what what role does a man play is he his biology is he an athlete is he a student uh, is he is he what the girls say he is is he what Hollywood says he is I mean what role should he play um, and of course the drift of his body and the drift of his buddies is probably going to be towards uh, various sort of moral bondages so yeah the the whole issue is that i I believe anyway we've got to, to get our sense of manhood and the roles we play as men uh, from something eternal. I, I believe it's from from God, from Scripture, uh, and also from our heritage, from the nobler side of our heritage. Um, my father wasn't a, particularly, uh, a man particularly given to religion, but he was a war hero. He was a good father. He was invested in his family. He sacrificed. Uh, he was an honorable man. He, he was a, a Medal of Honor winner. Um, I mean, this the, the, this was a man that was a lot to emulate. So I draw from that heritage. So there's no question that young men today are fishing about for the roles. What is manhood? What role do I play? And society had better be a little bit more intense about nurturing these men and, and modeling for the, these men what they want, because toxic masculinity is devastating our society. I mean, in our, in America, we talk a great deal about Muslim terrorists, but for the most part, the, the, the men who are uh, – the people who are shooting up campuses, shooting up colleges, shooting up high schools, uh, the, the the gunmen in these horrible shootings that we have are young, white, unfathered, unmentored, untended young males. And so we've got, we've got a, a plague uh, bedeviling our society, and it's largely one of young men not knowing who they are, and that's a lot of the reason I do what I do.
2: I like that. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen uh, for,
1: for, uh, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, just for young people today, young men that maybe didn't grow up with a father that can teach him to do that. <laughs> what what is? How can we find men that can help fatherless young men grow into this? Because that then gets to be tricky, too. It, it, we don't live maybe in the same sense of village or proximity where you can get to know some of the local men if you didn't have a father in your life.
3: Well, here's the stat that is really, really good news. If you have a young man in a home without a father, uh, without a father present, a male figure present in that home, other men who are not the biological father, who are invested in that young man, can make as much as approximately 85% of the difference a father would have made. This is what psychologists are telling us. So in other words, if a man is growing up in a home without a biological father in the home, he's not doomed. He's not cursed. He's not he's not destined, you know, to, to, to be a disaster. Other men who are willing to step into his life can make as much the vast majority of the difference uh, that a father would have made. So I teach these young men, go tackle mentors, <laughs> get into church at your school, ask the male teacher to help uh, get into uh, situations where there are men willing to mentor. If you. you know a good man in your community, go to go and ask him if he'll just have a hamburger with you once a week or whatever. Um, you know, we've got this idea that mentoring is kind of this Greco-Roman thing of you know a, a man with a white beard uh, sitting under a tree in a toga dispensing wisdom, but that's not that's not how it goes. Um, i 've had many mentors in my life, and I tackled most of them. I went after them and said, "Hey, would you teach me? Hey, would you coach me you 're good at some things i 'm not good at would you Would you just spend a little time with me to help me understand some things and it 's changed my life so uh, young men need to know that they can go after these mentors and and that 's also why i 'm trying to build a culture of men in which the older men are, are are drawing in the young men and bringing them in and initiating them and teaching them and and imparting the lore of noble manhood—it's got to happen in churches. It's got to have it happen in institutions of faith around the country. It's got to happen in other institutions. Uh, it's got to happen in our ethnic groups, etc. Uh, because because young men really are fishing about, and as we're learning in our Western society, if we don't give young men noble roles to play and models to, to pattern themselves after, uh, they will become a cancer on society, and we will we will suffer for it
1: hmm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. You can learn more about him at Stephen Mansfield dot TV. Stephen, you dropped uh, the, the word toxic masculinity. And I know men hear that and they go, "Ooh, I don't even know what that means. What what do you understand that to mean?
3: Well, I'm happy to talk about that. Thanks for the question. Um, I, I know that toxic masculinity is, is a phrase that's used largely by critics of manhood and critics of masculinity. But I like it. Let me tell you why. Um, the word toxic comes from the Latin word toxicum, which meant the poisons in the ancient world, it meant the poisons that were put on the end of arrows before they were fired into enemies. So when, when if a man is a good and a noble man, um, that he doesn't live out toxic masculinity. He lives out noble masculinity. He makes his children noble and strong. He loves his wife and, and helps her for, achieve everything she's meant to achieve and be fulfilled in her soul. Uh, he, he ennobles society and makes it stronger and better. You understand what I'm saying. Noble, good masculinity changes lives for the better. But if if we're not given to that model, if we're not given to that lore, then we start firing poisonous arrows into those around us. We have devastated, weak sons. We have uh, daughters who are off looking for affection and affirmation in ways that they shouldn't. Uh, We've got bitter wives and broken homes and divorces. So I like the phrase toxic masculinity, not because I think it's the final word on masculinity, but because it sets up for men – what they're doing when they don't live out a noble version of masculinity. They're firing poison into society, into those they're meant to love, into those they've committed to in marriage, et cetera, and bringing devastation. And I, I, I find it very stark. In fact, I, I actually do uh, fairly dramatic talks in our conferences and so on where I will dip arrows in poison, sometimes even set arrows on fire, just to illustrate the point um, that toxic masculinity is a real thing. And it's what happens if we aren't intentional about who we are as men.
2: Stephen, what is the what is the cure to all of it? And if we're identifying the issue, um, I guess, A, what is the cure? But then how long would it take to actually change perception, change ways of life? Because it's pretty deeply embedded in how we're doing our lives together.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, one of the things that really encourages me about the work that I do with men is how quickly it's possible to see, especially young men, but also older men, turn around. Once they begin to realize that they've been living out of their lesser drives, and they've been living up some caricature of manhood, that society has handed them. Um, and they begin to have other good men around them, and they allow coaching, and they allow these men to speak into their lives. And yeah, they have fun and rowdiness, all men want to do that. But 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 they but they begin to improve and grow. And the turnaround is quick, the turnaround is powerful. So the issue is, we've got to create cultures, gatherings, groups of noble men who are coaching each other and helping each other and building according to uh, patterns that are noble. You know, when King David was dying and he turned to his son Solomon, uh, in the old King James language, he said, show yourself a man. And of course, that, that instruction was not, you know, go be a male because, you know, Solomon had been a male for his whole life. Um, but no, that instruction was go live out the lore Go live out the practices. Uh, Go live out the values of what it means to be a man. And this is what we need to be mining from our heritage, mining from Scripture, mining from the examples of noble men, and then inculcating in each other's lives. And it's why we need a band of brothers, and we need that that free fire zone at the heart of it that helps us make each other better.
1: Mm -hmm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest, and Stephen, I want to, Peter probably wants in on this too, but... All men, I think, want to have that warrior sort of spirit in their lives because when I watch sports and let's say I'm seeing this guy just hit a home run and he rounds third base and you see him with that primal scream that you go, that's the warrior spirit that these young men have that I know the older men want to recapture. What are some of the steps to try to recapture this warrior spirit in our lives? Hmm. Well, first
3: of all, we've got to realize that much of what we're called to as men is a matter of battle and being a warrior. I battle for control of my body. I battle to stay in good health. Um, I battle for the well-being of my wife and my children. Yes, in prayer. Yes, in coaching. Uh, Yes, in earning so I can take care of them. Uh, In my band of brothers, I've got uh, buddies who battle depression like Lincoln and Churchill and others did. Um, I've, we've got buddies who have other kinds of battles for their marriages, for, a, for a child who's lost, things of that nature. Um, a great deal of what manhood is about is a kind of battle. And I don't mean you're a brawler on the street. I just mean you're battling, you're praying, you're fighting, you're contending, you're, you're confronting, you're, you're, you're battling for a goal. And so once we recover that and we recover that idea that, this this doesn't mean again that we're you know we're brawlers or strikers as the old word used to be um uh, but that, but that we're going to be battling for each other then we learn the art how do you encourage a man who's about to be lost in depression uh, how do you inspire your son through the difficult teenage years how do you uh, battle for the soul of your wife if she's been hurt or bitter or she's gaining weight or or, or she feels a little lost in life how do you contend and it's probably a little bit easier for me, frankly, because I grew up in the home of, an, of a military officer, uh, as I told you. But um, I, I've been close to martial culture my whole life. But I, I got to tell you, I, I stay close to some of the movies that teach these themes. Um, I like it when I see it, but, but I don't, I don't want to just see this in movies. Uh, I want to live it out. I want to live it out with a band of brothers. And so, um, you know, I, in my band of brothers, we've actually had a man who uh, ended up having an affair and um, we we got right up in his face, confronted him. I don't mean physically smacked him around, but smacked him around emotionally. And then we went to the to the wife and, and the kids and said, "Look, we'll we'll help you. We'll stand with you if you'll let us." And they said, "Well, we don't trust him, but we trust you guys." And so they trusted the band of brothers. And they, in other words, they had somebody to call other than than the attorney. And so for the next years, we fought for that family. We we encouraged the kids and inspired them and loved on them. And we, we helped them, the mom, and we, we were there present and we helped this man rebuild. And, and we, 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 we want a family out of it. We want a whole family wow. out of it, a family devoted to wholeness, but, but we had to be able to contend. And, um, and I don't mind telling you this guy was ex NFL and we were, th- we were risking our lives by getting in his face. But, but the point is that, uh, this, this is what it means for men to contend. So, so to stay close to the idea of battle, to realize that we're made for certain forms of battle. Again, I'm a Christian and, and the idea of being a warrior or wearing armor or contending mm-hmm. or battling, it's, it's on almost every page. And it doesn't mean that I'm a, a violent person or, or that I want to go around being like John Wayne, as some people have criticized. Not at all. Uh, but I do want to be a, a battling Christian warrior, so to speak when it comes to the lives of the men that have been entrusted to me.
1: Awesome. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. You can go to stephenmansfield.tv TV. learn more about Stephen. We're going to take a little break. We will be back with our Sunburnt series. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so delighted to have, have Stephen Mansfield back on the show. We'll be right back.
0: Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com.
1: Welcome to the Sunburst series. Got only a couple... Couple left, and then we're out of summer, and that's going to be kind of a sad time because I love summer and I love the sunburnt series. We did it now two years in a row, and it's a variety of topics and a variety of super interesting guests. And today is no exception. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. You can go to Stephen Mansfield TV to learn more about Stephen. He has a love uh, for uh, making men better and helping men uh, become who God wants them to be. And Stephen, if we're, men are created in the image of God, of course they are. And how can they possibly be the best they could be if God does not get involved in that process?
3: Well, that's my question exactly. Uh, I mean, I work with men who say they're atheists and don't believe in God. That's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them as far as I can take them. But the fact is, God made masculinity. He made manhood. And so I want men, first of all, to know that being a man is not something to be ashamed of or or something to cower from, that it's not all toxic, that it's not all messed up in our generation. But we've got to turn to the author of it. You know, theoretically, a Ford car runs better when we run it according to the manufacturer's handbook. And that's exactly how I think it is with manhood. God delights in men. He made men. He made the differences between men and women. And I think we ought to rejoice in that. But we need to turn to what David was referring to when he spoke to Solomon and said, show yourself a man, be a man in essence. Um, what is the the lore of manhood, the, the, the way of a man, the ways of a man that God has created uh, in Scripture? I love it in the book of Job when God turns to Job at, at the end of that horrible, you know, the destruction of his family and about 34 chapters of his idiot friends trying to give him bad advice. And God turns to Job and says, uh, defend yourself like a man. And again, it, the, the word there is not male. It means, it means defend yourself according to the way a man is, the way the man ought to be in his highest self. And that word is used a lot in scripture. So what is the highest way of a man? What is man made for? What's he designed for? I obviously think that the embodiment of that is Jesus Christ. Um, but I think there's a great deal in scripture that, uh, that guides us. And so that's, that's my goal in a band of brothers. That's my goal with a free fire, uh, free fire zone is that we are helping each other hammer out what it means to be a godly and righteous man.
1: Mm -hmm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. Stephen, you've been talking about Band of Brothers, and I know this is a great topic, and it sounds like it's quite essential for men to flourish. But I'm just trying to think of maybe some women that are listening right now, and they're going to go home and and maybe say to their their husband, you need to go make some friends. And maybe that's going to sound very intimidating. Like, well, how's that going to happen?
3: Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I hope happens. I, I, I want—I invite women to our, to our gatherings and to all the material that we do. And I, I want them to understand. I want them to be inspired. I don't want them to nag their husbands, but I do want them to encourage their husbands. Many times men are neglecting um, their male friends because they think they're doing their duties at home. But actually a man is better for his family if he's got time with a band of brothers. I'll tell you what, I, I teach men that that men make friends differently from women. I'll tell this very briefly. They do studies, little boys, little girls. They put little girls in a room and the the laboratory people are watching through through the windows, through the mirrors. And the little girls inevitably circle each other and finally turn chairs facing each other. And one of them says, I like your hair. And they're best friends forever. They just face each other and they start talking and they're buddies. Little boys turn the chairs side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and start thinking of things to do. I bet I can beat you to that tree. I bet we can get Tommy to pull us in that wagon. I bet we can set that door on fire. I mean, this is what little boys do. And so uh, men make bond with other men while doing something else than trying to bond. If you want to kill a men's movement, circle up some chairs in a fellowship hall and ask every man to start talking about how he feels. Ain't none of them coming back next week. What you want is men uh, who are uh, lo- doing things together. Uh, playing hoops, uh, doing the drum circle, uh, whatever, going to the game, whatever it is they enjoy doing, but but building relationships with each other out of those common interests. Men uh, build relationships while they're doing other things than building relationships, and that's got to be the beginning of it. The good news is that even the shyest guy can build a band of brothers because anybody can order up a bunch of pizzas or turn on the game and cook some burgers and start getting men together.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Stephen Mansfield is our guest. Stephen Mansfield TV is where you can learn about Stephen. Um, Stephen, I don't want to gang gang up on peter right now but peter tell us how you're feeling <laughs> well you know bill oh I, I don't know i don't feel like this is a safe space
2: with this with this band of brothers that we've <laughs> <laughs> created now it's a, but actually that brings up a great point because if you do want to try if you don't have friends um like i think most men as, as you described Stephen would say that i just don't know who i would call at four o'clock in the morning how do you get started because it's a little bit vulnerable to say hey buddy will you be my friend
3: Yeah, start reading the good books. You can start with mine, John Eldridge, other people who write good books about manhood, um, and then turn to the men who are already in your life, the guys you work with, the guys you work out with, the guys in class, whatever, um, the guys in business, and say, you know, what what, what did your dad teach you about? Just start asking them questions about manhood. What did your dad teach you about that? Or did you have a dad in the home? Or how did you come to your model of manhood? Or What's your manhood story? That could just, you know, I'm not talking about being weird, looking them deeply in the eyes and saying, how do you feel as a man? It doesn't have to be spooky and weird, um, but just start having conversations. Just start uh, asking them, how, you know, uh, what, what's your journey? And you're going to find that other men have got the same questions that you do. Other men have got the same gaps in their life that you do. And that's where you can start turning these relationships towards the themes of manhood and ultimately arrive at the free fire zone that men ought to have. It really happens very naturally. And I think most men long for it. It's just that the way we try to do it is in a, in a, in a difficult, embarrassing, emotional way where we try to draw them out emotionally first and get them to connect that way, uh, rather than just by hanging out as men and, and starting to ask the deep questions of manhood that, that are that are natural, I think, for most men.
1: So good. Um, Stephen Mansfield is our guest. And Stephen, it seems like there are... Uh, can be a lot of reasons why men are reluctant to want to participate in church-related activities. I think you just stated um, possibly one of the reasons that it, it can it can feel emotionally uncomfortable, uh, but men do find new ways to express emotions if they're doing things side by side or solving a task or getting a project done together. I mean, it seems to be the best way for men to have safe space to share how they feel
3: yes and I, and, I, and i want to say that's that's why sometimes the sunday school the bible study the small group even the church service is not it's not a place where men really are willing to unpack themselves um the church can tend i'm not saying all churches i'm a church guy myself but church can tend to be um a lean feminine lean towards emotions lean towards um things of that nature that tend to tend to be uh, to historically feminine kinds of pursuits. And so men have to create alternate spaces. I want to love my wife, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want her in my band of brothers. Right. I love my children, but I, they're not the ones I turn to. I, I need to build this other band of brothers with a bunch of men who are commonly committed with me to the to the great, great project of being good and noble and strong men. And that's mm-hmm. that's not something I can expect the Bible study or the church service to do for me,
1: yeah Stephen. absolutely delight, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great having you.
3: My privilege, thanks so much for having me back you You take yeah. a big risk when you do, and I've it.
1: Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you. You can come on anytime you like all right, Peter that is uh another great hour of uh, sunburn series, and thank you so much uh for doing the show and the series with me this summer. Um, We have one more and then we're done. Then we're off to the fall season.
2: Yeah, boy, it sure is another one of those topics that could probably stand another three, four, 10, 20 hours on it. But Stephen, I think he he really got us into it in a very unvarnished way, didn't he? It was really good. So honest. Really good. So honest. So
1: good. Yes. Stephen Mansfield has been our guest. You can learn more about him at stephenmansfield.tv. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And if you missed any of it, I do always recommend the podcast. Uh, You can listen to it at your leisure. So uh, have a great night, everyone, and
0: I hope you have a wonderful night's sleep, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.